podcast about video games for the Nintendo fans and NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 86, and we're recording this on Saturday, March 26, 2016. I'm your host, Stephen, or as I'm known on the boards, Dr. Finkelstein. And with me today is my co-host, Joe. Hello there, Stephen. Hey, Joe. Happy uh, Easter weekend. Happy Easter weekend to you. Are you going to do anything special for Easter? Uh, no, not really, actually. Got no plans. What about yourself? Painted some eggs. Just gonna eat some candy. I will paint some eggs, and they will probably have Nintendo influences on them. That tends to happen. You know, like a Triforce. I mean, it's hard to use that wax pen to do much, you know, of uh, design work, but uh, it's still fun. This is true. Yeah. I did get some some Pokemon eggs in uh, that Nintendo Badge Arcade yesterday, or today. Oh. I don't know. So maybe that counts. Very nice. uh, With us, we we have a guest today, Joe, and uh, everyone might know A guest? Yeah. People might know him as Poe Squadron, but we know him as Jamie. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, gentlemen. How you doing? We're good. How are you? I'm doing good. You know what I was thinking. You gotta paint some Yoshi eggs, and then you can just go around the neighborhood and maybe see how it works, throw them. I don't know. See if they bank (laughs) off some walls and stuff. Get my angle right and try to get people. You know, there might be puzzles to solve out there. You never know. That's not a bad idea. Although, I don't like the idea of having to stick them up my ass first, though. That might be, um, you know, it's kind of a deal breaker. Uh, (laughs) You went there. I didn't do that. Uh, Happy Saturday. I should. I I set myself up for that, I guess. Probably shouldn't have said that. Well, that's all right. Um, Let's uh, let's start the show off with some recent side events. Uh, we each kind of have something that we've been going uh, and doing, and uh, it's somewhat related to Negative World, so, but really, I mean, it's just, we're all doing something different right now uh, with the video game community, and I wanted to uh, to talk about that with, with you guys. Uh, to start things off, though, Joe, you just had uh, an event, a uh, second annual event. Can you please tell us about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this past Saturday, uh, I ran the second annual Smash Brothers charity event for Child's Play at the college where I teach at. And, um, you know, it. Uh, we, we had talked about doing, like, some different ideas this year. We, we actually had uh, one idea where we were going to have uh, the members of the gaming club act as Pokemon gym leaders and, like, station them around campus and have uh, people go and battle them in like like the person who ran the grass gym would be in the greenhouse on campus and things like that so we had we talked about all these other ideas and then ultimately at the end we were like we should just do the exact same smash brothers tournament that we did last year that's going to be the most successful so so that's what we did so um for the most part as, as far as the setup you can just like listen to last year's episode um but uh we have people you know they sign up uh online and register and, and make a donation uh, to Child's Play as part of their registration. For anyone who possibly doesn't know at this point, Child's Play, uh, you raise money and it goes towards buying gaming gear for kids with extended hospital stays to give them something to make that time a little more entertaining. Um, and, and we got uh, Negative World members, the old man from Zelda, in other words, Lou, and Mr. Mustache, in other words, Rob, to be the wacky announcers for the event. 
So every good Smash Brothers tournament has some crazy announcers that are announcing the the match and uh, making little little wise cracks throughout the process. And so they were kind enough to donate their time completely free once again to do that for us. They're uh, they're quite a duo, aren't they? Oh, they are. Yeah, they um, I mean they go way back, and they also have a history with their uh, local pro wrestling. If some of you are not aware of that, you should definitely ask them about it. So, well, this is kind of their bread and butter as far as anything you know, that, that I could possibly ask them to do to help out the event. They are they are naturals at this, and it's it's really good because like having someone announce the matches could easily be like really annoying and obnoxious and lame, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, this room. Uh, of college age kids that have never met them before, you know, they really, really respond well to it every year because they do, they do such a good job. Uh, it re- really, really adds a lot to the event that I think, you know, makes it, makes it feel more like an event instead of just a bunch of people in a room playing Smash Brothers for a while. So, yeah. well, it's, it's so nice that's very cool. when, when announcers or commentators can actually detail, uh, specific strategies and things that are happening on screen, it makes it, it, it's not like it gives it life where there isn't any, but it really it actually emphasize, uh, emphasizes the fact that there is kind of a lot of micro uh, decisions and life in in the Smash Brothers gameplay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's 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 fun. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Um, I, I'd have to imagine we... that it also kind of it puts everything in context a little bit better too, just so that it's not just people being quiet playing Smash and. And it adds some levity to certain moments and things like that. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it helps, you know, just sometimes even sort of give a voice to what the room is thinking when, you know, when that one person keeps going for the smash ball and missing kind of stuff. But so we, uh, you know, so we raised a modest amount of money, which we, which we expected. You know, we don't really have the the capability to to raise any great amount of money, but um, but as we always say, you know, every bit helps, and uh, and we do the best we can, and uh, we will continue to do that. So, it, it um, sounds, yeah, it sounds silly, but I mean, every dollar uh, greater than zero will help something, you know, right? Yeah, I mean, that's why it doesn't matter how much someone you know donates, if as long as donates are happening then someone some child is going to have a better life for it yeah and i think it goes um, understated too uh, not to cut you off but it goes understated that this uh, charity child's play which you know I, I know a lot of people who would say oh you're buying them video games that is like the worst thing you could do for them but i really disagree <laughs> i mean right. i've seen some videos of the child's play charity i i know how my own nephews react to getting things like this and they're not even ill with all these things that these children are going through um you know, making mm. a child smile. I mean, at that young age, it's all they. I mean, really, for some of them, that's all they have is the ability to yeah. smile. Still, you know, that's what their life is full of. It's it's either tests and feeling ill and the occasional cheerful moment. So, I think video games are a fantastic right. way. Plus, you can't use the excuse of "oh, just go play outside" because some of these you know children really can't even go outside. So, I think right. it's a, such a commendable charity, and I'm glad that you know you're able to uh, support it. Um, and give give all of us an opportunity to support it as well. 
Yeah, and I, I will mm-hmm. say, you know, just as last year, um, amazingly, it's the online contributions from you know people like Negative Worlders that is always that has been the bulk of the donations every time. You know, the students, they're college students. They're very poor as it is. They're they're taking time out of their schedules to do this. They're not going to have the deepest pockets, you know, to really support the, this kind of fundraising. Plus, if you're if you remember from being around a college campus or those of you that still are or in some capacity, you know, there's a thousand fundraisers during the year that's always kind of pulling it there at, you know, what money they can donate. So, um, you know, ours is certainly not a very big or important one in the grand scheme of the college. Um, so it's really, really important and really, really appreciated how much, you know, the, the people on online that that aren't physically going to be at the event who who donate and that's just you know it, it has impressed me both years uh just how much of our donations actually come from from folks online like negative world we're not so negative after all nope <laughs> well, excellent. So, so yeah um you know how does that work so you know i i like kind of watching the tally uh, as the the match uh, the, the well the tournament goes on the event um, oh. and just with any sort of fundraising I kind of like watching it go like Kickstarter uh, when right. I when I the ukulele one for instance was huge because I just kind of refresh refresh because that was so popular just fun watching it climb <laughs> so with you guys in your own physical donations um, do you afterwards just kind of enter those in via the website you know like it goes in your bank account then and then you know you make a payment or is that a, handled separately? Uh, I, I guess I don't know how, you know, Child's Play works in that sense because I know that we can use PayPal and that sort of thing. But right, um, no, actually, we are not allowed to touch the money at all. So nothing goes. We never. It, it, no one makes a physical donation at all. So no one hands us five bucks and then we tally it or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, everything is done directly to the charity. You can have people, you know, give you the money and then make a donation, but basically what it comes down to is then you have to fill out all these tax forms and things like that to make mm-hmm. sure that people aren't like skimming off the top of, of their right. quote unquote charity, you know? So, uh, um, and w- you know, we, that would be way more hoops than we would need to jump through. So, okay. um, yeah, so we just do it. We just send people to the link and that's it. Yeah, if it's easier, so, you know, then uh, that yeah. makes sense. And that's good. Yeah, then, and then, then you have a live tally, you know, you don't have to add, uh, oh, yeah. you know, X amount of dollars later or keep track of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, so it's pretty It's pretty darn simple in that way, you know, just just right direct to the uh, cool. to the account that's, that's made, you know, like in the name of that event. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, anything else you want to add about the uh, charity? No, not really. Just, uh, just that, you know, I'm sure we'll do it again next year. I'm already talking to, you know, some of the people I've been working with in the gaming club are starting to, to graduate out, you know. Um, this is the third year I did an event, but the, the first was, um, we, we watched, uh, plays Pokemon together. If you remember when that was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so there, there was, there was no charity, uh, you know, piece attached to that, uh, uh, so the people I've been working with for a couple of years are starting to graduate out of the club. So I was talking to, you know, which 
be the next crop and a couple of people who seem very uh intelligent and enthusiastic and uh so we'll do something similar next year we were kind of talking like you know oh is there going to be like an nx version of the game by next year we don't know so i guess we'll kind of play that by year there was that rumor you know see if there's anything right yeah yeah and and we'll we'll think about if there's anything that's like even more popular you know like would a splatoon be a bigger draw than smash brothers we don't know but we'll probably feel out the campus community you know in the fall stuff like that hmm. you know uh, yeah. that would be a bad thing i mean smash will never lose interest in people's minds and hearts but you know splatoon was majorly successful and, and frankly, yeah. even though it may not be as popular, I love the idea you mentioned yeah. about the Pokemon gym thing, you know, with each gym being in a different area of the campus. Oh, I know. That's pretty cool. We need to talk oh, about yeah. that a little more. I mean, not that I can have that much of an effect from afar, but I want to hear more about that. Okay. Maybe on another show or something, because that, that's pretty novel. And, you know, here I'm thinking, well, maybe Jamie could be a, uh, a Yeah, gym so leader, many of us. And you just got to drive around the Midwest, you know? Yeah, me there. I was just going to, I was just going to say that maybe negative world needs to have its own uh pokemon league or something like that and then in my head i was thinking <laughs> just how much of a prize would we need to offer to actually make that worthwhile <laughs> like calculating the gas and the time and uh, but uh i mean, would have to get your own real life pokemon yeah that would have to be the prize yeah <laughs> you well, get like a mu the plane alive. the plane tickets alone would be astronomically expensive I don't well, know if know, we need to do that. I just, um, oh, so you'd be using fly. You wouldn't be just traversing. Oh, uh, uh, I guess that's, that's a good point. I, um, you know, I just saw the movie Tusk. So I did see a human become a whaler. Um, I, uh, I guess that could, that could mean some promising things for real life Pokemon, but, um, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. That's a weird movie. Anyway, so, um, with that, I, I'd like to jump, actually, uh, changing it up from the outline that we're all looking at. Uh, Jamie, could you tell us about what you've started in, what, is it less than a year now? Uh, 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 it's, uh, we started back in about, it was, I think our first real night of uh, streaming was on New Year's Eve. But uh, Amanda, my fiancé, and I had started a... Uh, Twitch channel, uh, where we basically stream ourselves playing games, and, uh, it's been a lot of fun, um, and, uh, just playing different games and see what people react to, want to, want to watch, and, I don't know, it's just, it's kind of fun, because we play games all the time, so we figure, why not, you know, stream that online, and, uh, you know, it's kind of fun, because usually playing games can be kind of a solitary kind of affair, but it can be fun when, you know, when other people join in, and, and, watch and offer feedback and that kind of stuff so uh it, it's been really fun um i try to paint on there as well which has been really cool uh which i didn't even know they had that but um yeah well it's funny you say that because bob ross has a channel on twitch like the bob ross company they just stream bob ross like 24 hours a day so so like it's, it's cool you can see other artists on there and it's it's um he's See, are, are some artists do Bob Ross like paintings? They like paint along with him and stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, it's been uh, it's been a learning experience, that's for sure. So I don't know if you've said it yet, but um, but the name of your channel, uh, let let those of us know. Oh, the, the name of the channel is uh, Turnabout Step Ladder. One word, Turnabout Step Ladder. Uh, 
just how it sounds. Uh, it's a uh, if you don't get that joke, uh, it's an ongoing Phoenix Wright uh, Ace Attorney joke. I don't know if you guys even get it, but uh, I do not. But there's the ongoing battle that there's an ongoing battle between uh, whether a ladder is called a ladder or a step ladder, and for some reason that is an ongoing joke within the Ace Attorney franchise. Every game they have a it's like you're just clicking around. He's like, oh, I found a ladder. You know, uh, actually, Nick, I think that's a step ladder. And you're like, whatever. And it's like, well, why? Okay. It's I don't know. It's so, so stupid. It's it's so dumb. It's just giggling. Yeah, it's maybe it's it's like an inside joke with the dev team or something. But it's so stupid. And uh, we decided that's our um, and we turned that into our. Our Twitter, uh, which is at Stepladder Games. So maybe if, if I ever have a game company in the future, I'll call it Stepladder Games. I don't know. But it's been a lot of fun. It's been a learning experience with all the technical side of things and the non-technical side. Yeah, we, we deal with uh, the occasional tr- troll here and there and how to handle that. So hey, that, that means you're getting uh, popular, though. Trolls equal popularity. Well... I don't know. There's trolls everywhere, but uh, we have about 100 followers. Uh, the thing is, like, if you want to be popular on Twitch, I mean, the main thing I've found is this: you have to be doing it all the time. Like, that has to—you really have to commit to it. Sure. And uh, there is there is only so much uh, Mario Maker that I have in my system before I feel like I want to go throw something out the window. Because some of these levels I get are just—oh my god! It's it's like trying to play the 100 Mario challenge, but like in front of people, yeah. and yeah. they're laughing at you. And oh my god! So are you? I get, I get some, got some, got some doozies in there. In in those moments, are you playing uh, user submitted levels, or are you actually trying the 100 Mario challenge? And just kind of. Uh, if I don't have anyone, if I don't have anyone in there, and I'm playing Mario Maker, I'll do the 100 Mario challenge. But uh, I have a like a form set up, so when people come in, they can just easily submit. And then, uh, we'll, I'll just go back to playing the user levels. So I kind of just go back and forth. Uh, That's lately true. I haven't been playing Mario Maker just because we got so burnt out on it. I got really burnt out on it. Just. So you haven't played uh, on the super you know, expert mode uh, live on I, I have not, I haven't played since they added the, the keys and the coins. Yeah. So I'll have to go back to it soon and, uh, check everything out. Yeah, just a quick aside, I tried playing that super expert mode yesterday, and what I don't know why Nintendo would add a mode that's not fun. <laughs> like if, if they if they took away the Hunter Mario challenge well, and just asked you to get through six of these levels, then okay, that'd be fine, that'd be different. But holy crap! I mean, you can tell the levels are, are more well designed. They're kind of weeding out these kind of really cheap things, but these levels are going to take a lot of time and effort to solve and if I run out of lives and I never will see that level again and that's kind of frustrating so if you really feel masochistic play that live on the channel and get trolled like hard I was just going to say they already made a mode that's not fun it's it's called the 100 Mario challenge <laughs> playing that on hard is uh, an exercise in uh, patience to say the least it's a uh, how many times can I hit the skip button in an hour? This is basically what that turns into yeah, for me. I'm not even shy. I'm not even. I don't even care. I just if if a level seems like 
like stupid. I'm just like, all right, we're going to the next one. We're going to the next one. Yeah, the second something cheap happens, it's just like, like swipe. A... Yeah, it's like a Nintendo yep. version of Tinder. Yeah, absolutely. You know, basically they swipe up, yeah. and then it's gone. But um, anyway, so back in your channel. So um, I do recall actually being on this channel once, uh, not live per se, but um, you had streamed uh, a night of Splatoon where we were all playing. Like, uh, at least, yeah, that's right. We at least four we of did us, that. if not more, um, playing Splatoon online, which is always really fun to do that. And uh, I, I don't think I was able with my old connection to get your stream that strongly when I was playing Splatoon as well. Uh, but it was still pretty cool, and um, and it just seemed like you were having a lot of fun regardless. Oh, oh, it's uh, it's especially with Splatoon because uh, I feel like. With Smash, I mean, you can see what everyone's doing all the time, but with Splatoon, I mean, I guess it's like any other shooter where it can kind of give you a little bit more insight about what other people are doing, and, and uh, you know, you kind of get that more of a community feel, whereas Splatoon, you, you can very easily just play that game, and, like, you're kind of in your own vacuum, and you don't get to, you know, you don't have that voice chat or anything like that, so... Having some feedback with other people when you play that game is is definitely. I mean, and that's the game like you want to have that feedback with, because yeah. it's just so chaotic and fun. So like looking forward to like NX and stuff with the next version of Splatoon, I want to be able to like talk trash to you guys or you know joke around with you guys while we play the game. So hopefully that's something we can look forward to. Yeah, at the very least, you know, among friends, there's no reason to have that off. I mean, oh, it's a tough yeah. thing, but. Other platforms do it pretty well, so who knows? yeah, yeah. I think they have it. They basically by default across the board. It's usually just you can just chat with your friends. And Splatoon is definitely a game that could definitely uh, use that to its advantage, just because it's such a it's such an off the wall game and so crazy. And there's so many moments that you just you just want to laugh about it with people. Yeah, you know. And so I'm about to stick up for Nintendo a little bit, but it doesn't actually negate the uh what you just said about kind of laughing and just the camaraderie you can get i mean they have the little up and down buttons where you can cheer or, or try to you know encourage your your teammates but having the screen on the controller does help offset some of that communication uh you lack because you still can see where your teammates are and you can kind of infer things just by a quick glance of what you should be doing and focusing on so you get the same kind of instruction uh more or less than you would perhaps from someone who you know, you can voice chat with you and it's saying, hey, go over here, do this. Um, I've definitely come into the rescue on some people who were in, you know, a, a tight battle where they were about to get splatted. And, um, but at the same time, once that happens, all you can do is press a button that goes cool or whatever it says. You know, I mean, it's not quite the same. But at least yeah, I agree. That. I mean, with the gamepad there, that gives you, it gives you some awareness about, you know, the environment, what your tactics need to be. So, and even Splatoon is such a fast paced game. There's, probably only really so much you know, strategizing with your team that you can do right. uh, just because everything sense. moves so quickly and the matches are so short. But uh, I mean, I, th I think voice chat with your friends is basically going to benefit any kind of multiplayer game like that. So oh, yeah. uh, especially as it pertains to like picking levels and just, just, uh, you know, talking about everyday stuff. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, <laughs> outside of that, that yeah, Outside of that, uh, you know, streaming that, uh, you know, if we ever do a Smash uh, thing in the future or whatever, 
whatever. I'd be happy. Be happy to. I could stream that. We can get some other people to stream that. It'd be cool. We can go back and watch it. And Maybe uh, go back and reference our highs and lows. And relive my my moments of shame. Maybe somehow you and Joe so get pummeled uh, into the, the ground. Collaborate on the next um, charity. You know, get that streaming on Twitch. Yeah, I I, I, I did me. stream. Well, I I was at work. Mm-hmm. So I, I did my best, but I just I did host his stream, so that was pretty cool. Now knowing that we can do that is, is oh, pretty, okay. so pretty you cool. Did host so, it. so so that helps. Yeah, I mean if you're if you're on friends. there, you can to our fan base. I wouldn't say that, but, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean anyone can host anyone, so it, it just gives any stream a little bit more of an opportunity to get seen, basically. Um, okay, so awesome. It's a nice way to build a little community there yeah um so i guess uh before we move on are there any um plans you have for your stream going forward either uh do something different with it or do you have do you know what your next game you want to stream is or when you're going to stream next uh it's tough because you you want to get a balance and this is what i've definitely found is like there's definitely you know people want to watch speedrunners and people want to watch People who are, are like really good and really competitive at what they do, like playing League of Legends and things like that. So me, me playing a game like uh, if I go play Stealth Inc. 2, probably not a huge chance that people are going to be watching me. But it's but that's what I want to play that time. So like you want to play stuff that's popular, but at the same time, you just you want to play games that you like playing. So uh, going forward, um, I think I'm just going to try to do my own thing on it a little bit more and. Try to paint more on it because uh, I've, I've had a, cu- a little couple nights of success. Uh, I've been painting pictures of like Phoenix Wright and things like that. So, um, you know, if, if people get on, want to watch me paint or draw or want to request commissions and stuff like that, that could be a cool way to to get things uh, going a little bit more. And uh, that's always fun because painting is another one of those things that can be really kind of solitary. It's nice to have people to talk to while you're doing that. Naturally, to tie the video games thinking. and art together, you're so, probably using Mario Paint. Is that what you're using? Uh, maybe I should. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to get like Art Academy or something, and I'll stream that. Or that would be really cool. Yeah. You know what would be nice is people could then follow along with Art Academy as well. You could even do instructional oh, times. You know. <laughs> I. I I, I don't really don't know that much about it. I know that we seemed interested in the uh, the Disney version. Seemed pretty cool. Yeah, my girlfriend. All the I think pre-ordered that. Which Disney characters is rare for her to pre-order a game at all, but I think she did pre-order that one. <laughs> I hope it's as good as the nice. Pokemon one because the Pokemon one I didn't play it through all the all the things. I needed to go back to it, but um, how the computer draws it, and I'm, I'm not a snob. I don't pick on you know other artists or anything, but the computer is you know they. I think they're designed to make theirs look worse than what yours is going to look like, so it gives you some feedback that makes you feel good. Um, because yeah. man, just it's it's just funny as hell watching how the the Nintendo character or whatever does their uh, sample while you're doing yours. Um, they're a genius. That's funny. Are they re- are they recorded by people who work at Nintendo? Um, somebody probably programmed it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's it Nick. Is it Nicky from Swap Note drawing all the <laughs> all the Pokemon? Potentially, I don't know, but uh, but Art Academy would be uh, would be pretty cool. 
yeah, there's a lot of options. So yeah, if you ever want to watch, it's uh, Turnabout Stepladder. Um, my work schedule is always really wonky, so uh, I try to stream it at night, which doesn't always happen because a lot of times I work at night. But uh, yeah, I usually just try to hang out and see if anyone pops in. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Have you thought about wearing a low-cut shirt to increase your viewers? I don't think I even need to mention that. I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer um, right. when you're as gifted as I am, you know? Right. So, I think we need to be focusing on the gotta, art, you know, and not be distracted but, by the hey, low-cut. Twitch is a very visual medium, so you gotta take advantage of that, you know? I can't mm -hmm. lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, just checking. All right, so that's uh, Twitch. It is. It is uh, rated M for mature, right there. So, not really. Not really. So again, it's Twitch.tv/slash Turnabout Stepladder, and uh, we'll keep an eye for you. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Um, Thanks. You know, I'll mention the the one thing that I've been putting on. Uh, real quick, we don't have to talk too long about it, but it's it's March. And so, you know, the, in, in the United States, anyway, there's something called March Madness. I'm sure somebody's heard about it. I'm sure your favorite TV show has been preempted for it. Um, that's just what happens this time of year. And while that handles, you know, college basketball, we like to do a, the past couple of years, um, I believe it was Jargon who was helping uh, in the, the first time or two. But we have done a, a March Madness negative world bracket. And in the past, I think we've had like top, Nintendo game, I think, was the very first one we did. Um, it wasn't during March, but we had one for Smash Brothers Stages, which we've talked about on the show. And with the 20th anniversary of Pokemon happening uh, in the past month or two, um, I felt it was pretty obvious that we needed to do a top Pokemon bracket. Uh, I didn't have the, I guess, the uh, energy or um, audacity to actually break down all 720 plus and, and do a bracket that big. So... We did a seeding uh, before we started the, the voting, and we just had people throw in like 30 to 50. Some people put 70 freaking Pokemon in for nomination and tallied it all up. And based on that, we had our 64 top Pokemon. Uh, I'm going to list every single one for you here. Just kidding. That's not happening. But um, <laughs> you can go to the website, and there's a new thread every couple days for the new bracket, and uh, you'll be able to see you know what we've been going for. Um, I will say that we are currently in uh, round two, and we're in the Volcano slash Earth bracket. Uh, each bracket has been named after a badge from the original games, and I've in the past we've kind of kept it so each bracket gets, you know, as the choices get smaller, you still have a thread for that, and that just kind of eats up time where everyone's just going in voting once or voting for two Pokemon and being done. So I'm trying to keep them, you know, more bulky, and uh, that's why we got a Vol Volcano slash Earth. But... Um, yeah, so... I think that's really good, by the way. To do that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think when it gets to the end, I'm still going to have to make small threads because I don't want to have someone voting for the left side and then the right sides and inherently choosing what two should go up against each other. I want people to think just about their, their side, but I may even change my mind there because, yeah, I don't want this to go all the way through April. With uh, the Smash Brothers stage bracket, that thing lasted like six weeks or something. And that doesn't seem necessary. But, but yeah, so uh, we're in 
I guess yeah, it's round two. It's the last stage of round two. Then we'll go back to uh, round three. And the the choices are narrowing. Um, I seem to always pick against the popular opinion. So oh. I've learned to accept that. Joe, as I mentioned off air, uh, you seem to negate every one of my choices. <laughs> There's always like one guy that we agree on. Um, I think this time around it was Arcanine. But uh, besides that... Oh, and I think... I think that was my closest uh, decision. Really? Yeah. So, wow, so you almost couldn't, you just couldn't bring yourself to do that. Um, almost. But, uh, no, you know. Arcanine's great, though. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is. Um, Vaporeon's pretty cool. That's who Arcanine's up against. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and, you know, looking here really quick, it looks like Jamie must align more with me because he doesn't align with you very well. So okay. if, I, if I was to compare, but I, I don't have time to analyze it. But um, I was really sad that you didn't pick Psyduck versus Torterra. You went for Torterra. Oh, man. Me? Yeah, I know. But... Well, you know, Turtwig was my first Pokemon ever, so come on. Yeah, well, okay, fair enough. Yeah. It's Psyduck. I mean... Psyduck is so bizarre, right? Come on. You guys, are you... Psyduck is... I th- it might you know, have been... Gen 1 does not have the same pull for me that, that it does for people who were there at the start. Which is actually interesting that this applies to you, and it, I think it applies to other people, because more than half of the people, or the Pokemon in the bracket, were from Gen 1. Yeah. Like 32 or 33 or something um, were from Gen yep. 1. And not surprising. And then there was, then I think, uh, you know, actually, part of my clicks here, but I actually did some stats because I am a stat nerd. Yeah, 31 were from Gen 1. 10 from Gen 2. Next was Gen 4 with 7. And then 5 and 6 had 6. And Gen 3 only had 4 Pokemon. I don't know what that means. But isn't that... Was that the Ruby and Sapphire generation? Yeah. Yeah. That I think that's always been seen as kind of the low point. Am I correct? Or no? Depends on who you ask. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's a like universal it. one. Mm-hmm. People... People say that was a low point, not because of the Pokemon, but because there was too much uh, swimming around in the water in those games right. for people. That's usually the criticism. You know what? But to that effect, people I, seem I, to love water because that was the, the biggest type with 18 selections. But go ahead, Jim. Uh, I was going to say, I think Ruby and Sapphire also took out maybe a couple of features that had become like pretty innovative in Heart and Gold, and then were kind of mysteriously absent from the Game Boy Advance version. And I think people's expectations were also too high, probably expecting the GBA version to be like a huge leap over the Game Boy Color versions. But sure. I think since that point, we've kind of gotten accustomed to the Pokemon series very much more like iterating on itself rather than having yeah. some huge leap forward and... I, th- I think as time goes on, especially with the remakes, I think people probably look back on Ruby and Sapphire a little bit more fondly than they used to. Um, I really liked Ruby and Sapphire. I thought it, I thought it had awesome music. That was one of my my favorite uh, Pokemon soundtracks. Um, the Pokemon were good. I mean, I, I like them. Not according to the seating, I guess, but. Uh... Uh, you know, maybe I, not. I don't have a list though. I should have checked just how many. Um people overall voted for that generation uh this you know these numbers are just of what was actually the top picks so um you know it's interesting to see the spread too of the 
of the types. Um, like I said, water was huge with 18 Pokemon having a water type with them. Uh, I think it looks like Psychic and Grass come in next at 9. Only one type was not represented whatsoever. And I mean, mm. I if you guys, can you guys guess what it is based now that you've seen the Pokemon in the bracket? Just thinking, without you know, think. just off the cuff. It couldn't be. It couldn't be fairy because fairy, I'd imagine Gardevoir was probably. It's got to be fairy. It's, no, actually, it's not. Jigglypuff is considered fairy. Uh... Now, not in Gen One, but dark. I'm, uh, no, it can't be dark. Three, we had three dark Pokemon. We had. Uh, Malamar, which was a huge contest that, you know, uh, Greninja is considered dark, as far as um, Surugadinet told me, and uh, Crocodile. I've seen Poison, I've seen Steel. It couldn't be Poison. No, Poison had six, Steel had three. I'll give you guys Um, one more guess. It couldn't be fighting. It could have been. No. There's Heracross. You have a guess, Joe? Rock. Uh, uh, ground? No, that's not possible. I don't even know. Let's see. I don't know if Jamie was I just was saying it to to suggest it, but yes, rock was it. Because wow. Steelix oh, is steel, so it's not Onyx. So that's I think that's throwing people off when they try to think of that. But yeah, rock was completely unrepresented. Oh, that's surprising. I I I remember. I remember voting for, uh, I think I voted for Geodude and Gigalith. I like Gigalith. And I think even I see the Golem. I love Golem, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, Ice Dragon and Fairy had gotten ones. They were also barely represented. But uh, but yeah, that was fun kind of just putting that together. Get Get that ice cream Pokemon in there. But, uh, yeah, so right now, you know, just to wrap this segment up, you know, again, we're in the, the Volcano uh, Earth bracket, and Fletchling and Alakazam are up against each other. It's a, it's almost a dead tie. Um, Psyduck and Torterra right neck and neck. Caesar is edging out Ditto. That might be the way it's going to go. Celix and Charmander are, again, neck and neck. Ivysaur and Articuno, neck and neck. Heracross is edging out Hitmonchan, which, uh, even though I've been voting Hitmonchan, that's, I can see where that's justified. Heracross does look pretty cool. Um, I, I made a dung beetle joke, but it really, I felt bad about it. Uh, Arcanine is is edging out Vaporeon, and Toxicroak was completely losing. It was four zip for Charizard's favor. I, I really was surprised that Charizard wasn't uh, just an easy favorite here. But uh, after the first four votes, the next uh, the next six were Toxicroak, and then nice. Jimmy, you're helping even even it back out with your recent vote. So. Uh, 11 votes have come in. We've had about 18 people voting each round, so there's a lot that can change still. It's amazing how close they are, and I'm, I'm really excited to see how this plays out. It's been so fun for me as the uh, the bracket master, so to speak, just watching the votes go in. I add them every chance I get because I just like seeing how it's changing. But um, yeah, yeah, this has been fun. It's been it's been fun. And uh, uh, I actually like seeing a lot of the newer Pokemon do well. I mean. Whenever I think one of my favorite things about the newer games, and a lot of people think it gets ridiculous, but I like when they, like I just replayed Pokemon Black and White, and I like the fact that basically all the monsters in that game are new, and then you don't see the old ones until you basically beat the game. So it's like it encourages you to use the new ones, and you kind of get an affinity towards them. So, so, so I like Toxicroak a lot, even though I looked at him and didn't realize how kind of depressing he looks. He's got like <laughs> Big 
like warts or something all over him. The poor guy. Like, he is cancerous. Kind of a sad life, but but I used. I remember using him on my first run, and I love like Crocodile and mm-hmm. you know, Pokemon like Hippowdon and all these new ones that probably don't get a lot of credit, but you know, it's part, fun. Part of the issue was a lot of people who seeded uh, were helping seed um, hadn't played that one, so they all knew the original, and so that's I think why uh, you know essentially half the bracket was was Gen 1, but uh, it's a fantastic point. And actually, I hope that they do that again with the next one. You know, let's go with the next set and then unlock older Pokemon later, because it, uh, it gets tiring if you keep fighting Zubats in a new game. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> before we move, move on, um, let me ask you guys each this. Uh, which Pokemon that's currently in the running still, doesn't have to be from this bracket, but just currently in the running, do you want to see take it all? Or, or to the same effect... If you're a Pokemon that you uh, we've already seen illuminate, which one do you think should have made it? What's your top pick? Uh, we'll go with Jamie first. I have to go back and see who's out of the running. I don't even know who's in. Is there a list of all of them total? Like everyone that was involved, all the all the ones that were um, preceded. I have one, <laughs> and I guess I could. Quickly, uh, try oh, no. to get that to you. Uh, but I've got. I, I can say the ones that I originally tried to. The ones I tried to vote for. Um, I really wanted to see uh, Starmie. Uh, love okay. Starmie. Uh, Doug Trio. Those were like my two favorites from Gen One. Yeah, Doug uh, Trio did make it. Um, in. But then I. Doug Trio was awesome, but then he just got continuously worse as the series went on. Uh, but, uh, I like, uh, I like Hippowdon. He's like a nice hippo Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's on there. Probably not. Uh, 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 Trio was in there. He lost to Greninja, uh, which was just a, a bad matchup because Greninja's pretty beloved, I think. Uh, I think Doug Trio would have Greninja's got that awesome. cross promotion these days. Yeah. Smash Brothers yeah. and the anime and everything. So Joe, what about you? Which one do you? What should take it all? For me, Snorlax is still in it, right? Yep. That was actually was, that was a tie. In fact, people uh, hearing this will probably have seen the results by then. The time I edit this, but uh, yeah, Snorlax um, was actually at a dead tie with uh, who was it? Um, Haunter. Was it Pikachu? Nope. Snorlax oh, okay. and Haunter. And then um, it was because we ended up with a tie. I had to go. Uh, poll people who hadn't voted in this round, but uh, who had voted in the past. That was the fairest way I felt I could do it. And um, and in the mm-hmm. end, Snorlax won out. I even asked nice. Erica, uh, Ponate's Carrots, I asked her, even though I, I wasn't going to count her vote, unless we had another tie. But um, I said, okay, you don't know which one I picked, hon. Which one would you pick, just in case we really needed to do it? She picked Snorlax anyway, so I think he was bound to... Uh, to be the the nominee in that bracket, but uh, nice. So just, for me, it's it's probably either Snorlax or Steelix, one of those two. Okay. Steelix, yeah, huh? really, really pleased to see Steelix uh, made it this far. Yeah, currently up against Charmander, so it's it's that's interesting. But yeah, um, people seem to be pretty annoyed with Charizard as far as uh, you know him being so played out. So maybe the same goes for Charmander. And honestly, I wouldn't want to see a Charmander versus Charizard because I thought Blastoise versus War Turtle was kind of like <laughs> really. Eh. 
but it, it brought an interesting discussion, and that's actually the thing that made me so happy about this bracket is just seeing the discussions we're having. It's kind of cool. Well, yeah, for me, like I know I went War Turtle in that competition just because Seth just so happened to be one of the lines where I really, really like the the middle evolution. So, mm-hmm. you know, sure. Now it's going up against Blastoise, which is uh, that's a tough battle right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and you know, Blastoise... I'm looking at the I'm looking at the list now. Blastoise, War Sorry. Turtle, and Squirtle are all in the same bracket, so only one's going to make it out of that side alive. Um, and with Blastoise and War Turtle going up against each other, whoever wins very well might go up against Squirtle. We'll see. But, um, again, I, I guess have you guys... Have we already seen all of the... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Uh, have we already seen all the evolutions taken out? Have they already um, gotten knocked out? Pretty much, although well, currently in the current vote, Vaporeon is still going. Um, currently, right. uh, they are, uh, Vaporeon is, is not winning, so... Uh, but that could change, because again, like I said with Toxicroak, I mean, Toxicroak had zero votes, then it had six. So, mm-hmm. know, who knows, but um, I think after Vaporeon, we might, that might be the case. Yeah, it is the case. No, Umbreon, love. Umbreon's, Umbreon's the best. He's my favorite. Umbreon is good. The evolutions. Umbreon, uh, I don't think Umbreon was in the actual voting, was it? Espeon was. No, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, uh, you guys knocked out Leafeon pretty quickly. Uh, I liked Leafeon, but well, <laughs> Leafeon's good. Like I Leafeon, said, Leafeon loses for worst uh, evolution name because it's Leafeon. Perhaps, but it's I like just, the least. They just they it, just stopped trying. <laughs> so. It lost. It lost hard against Articuno. It, Articuno had double the votes. It just wasn't meant to be. Cool. To yeah. quickly answer um, the same question for myself. Uh, Dragonite. Dragonite's my favorite Pokemon of all time, and it just got no love. Yeah, I felt bad for you, because I saw that uh, yeah. it was not winning, and I knew that you were partial to, to yeah. that one. Yeah, it lost, uh, it had half the votes of Ho-Oh, which had um, ten votes, and then uh, that Pokemon... I don't get that. I don't get that at all. That's yeah. surprising. Yeah, I don't understand it either, but then, then they lost against Totodile, so who do you think is better, Totodile or Dragonite? Dragonite. Dragonite. See, so if, if that damn dumbass bird, which I do like, uh, didn't take it out, then it probably would have taken out Totodile, and then, and then okay, with that, Dragonite versus Bulbasaur. Dragonite. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, that's fair enough. We'd have a contested, uh, you know, a good matchup. So okay, I guess there could have been love, yeah, I love and like, but with the Smash Brothers so bracket. With the Smash stages bracket, same thing. I mean, if I what I do when I when I do this, since there is no real proper seating, you know, we don't have like a, a one tier and a sixteen or whatever. I just throw it in a randomizer and then I randomize it once. I don't touch it after that. Whatever it does, it does. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel like every time, if I just changed out how we started, we'd get a different answer sometimes. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, of course. So <laughs> now let me ask you this last one, and then we'll move on because we have been talking about this for quite a while. But uh, uh, Squirtle was the most voted for in the seed. Do you think that's going to win? Interesting. Mm. Certainly could. Mm. By far. Mm. Was the going only... up against Mewtwo right now. <laughs> yep. Although yeah, Mewtwo, I don't know. Well, um, I mean, again, people won't hear this until uh, later anyway, but no, Squirtle beat Mewtwo by two votes. Oh. Mm-hmm. I did not. So, um, but yeah, and Squirtle was Squirtle's the only Pokemon. He's like going to take out 
Piplup and Chespin. I think I could easily take out those guys. Yeah, so I mean, Squirtle could, uh, could definitely reach reach far, and uh, Squirtle was the only Pokemon who had double digits uh, for seeding um, votes. So that was that made it stand out from the beginning, and that's why it, it'll be interesting if it goes up against uh, Blastoise, which uh, it's possible to do. So you might want to add some sunglasses on him, you know, just to make him look <laughs> a little cooler than that. Like triangular ones. <laughs> those points on there. The big dark yeah. What's the name of that, that group? I don't the know. Squirtle like the Squad? Squirtle Brigade. Oh, is that what it is? Squirtle yeah. Squad sounds right. Oh, man. The old cartoon was so great. It was. Anyway. So let's, um, let's, since we've been talking about this for so long, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and we'll do some now playing, uh, catch up with what we've been playing, and then uh, after that we also have a, a little topic to discuss. But first, yeah. some music. Seems like you've got one that probably, at least uh, Nintendo-only fans, probably haven't touched yet, but um, it's, uh, it's a pretty unique-looking game. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, I have been playing, uh, or I, I just beat uh, Undertale, which is a game you can find on Steam. Uh, I think it might be Mac and PC. It um, is, yes. I'm not... Cool. Uh, yeah, but it is very uh, heavily inspired uh, by games like Earthbound, uh, I mean, Earthbound's pretty unique in its in its uh, in its own right, but uh, it's very you know a lot of elements. Just like looking at the art and the humor is just very Earthbound. Everything's everything feels kind of intentionally weird. Uh, if you like remember certain jokes in Earthbound that are just like, what are they on right now? When they're so it's kind of a lot like that. Uh, but it does have a lot of uh, homages to older RPGs and uh, Final Fantasy and old Nintendo games, and it's uh, it's kind of a trip down memory lane in some aspects, but it also has a little bit of almost like WarioWare, as uh, I think Zero kind of kind of mentioned. It's like a mix between Earthbound and WarioWare because once you get into the turn-based battles, all of the turn-based battles are basically little micro games where when you attack an enemy you'll get this meter that you have to like hit at just the right time uh, and different weapons will have you know different kind of meters and ways to time it just right but then and when enemies attack you it also turns into its own little micro game where you're trying to uh, you're in like a, a little box kind of and you're mo moving around uh, trying to avoid things that are trying to hit you so um Getting damaged and attacking enemies isn't completely random. You know, you have a lot of control over the success of your attacking and defense. So from that standpoint, you have a lot of control over things, which is nice. And um, it's just, uh, uh, 
I even get a little bit of like a spirited away uh, vibe from it because you're basically, you know, it's very earthbound in that you're a, you're just a kid. You're a regular kid in the year 21XX or whatever year it is. And you kind of get whisked away to this world of monsters um, and everything crazy and silly but it's it's also kind of disturbing at times uh so you know it has that mix that earthbound kind of nails where it's it's funny but it's also like really weird and you kind of get that like not uncomfortable feeling but uh there's definitely turns in the game where get like a little things can be kind of spooky or weird um, and it all kind of balances out. It's really good. It's about five hours long. Uh, um, I remember seeing it. They were talking about porting it to a Nintendo system, uh, but without spoiling the game, um, there are probably reasons that that might be a little bit difficult. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't that, definitely don't want to spoil the game. When you say that, is it because they made reference to that, or is it something that they wanted to do in the game that just happens to not? Uh, that, you know, that would cause them. I guess is it is it something they said afterwards, or did they plan it that way? Would you say whatever it is? Um, I think they very much intentionally designed this as a PC game, uh, just in the way of how you interact with the game at times. Yeah. Um, so my guess I mean, is this this isn't a huge spoiler, but uh, there there is a boss where they're like, I hope you have a keyboard handy, and like, so you you might have to type something in real quick. And, uh, it's like a curveball. I don't think it really is very consequential on the, on your game, but it's, it's a nice little curve that the game throws at you in like a, uh, kind of like a Metal Gear Solid kind of way where the game starts interacting with you in a way that you might not expect it to. And it, it, it might do that in a way that could prevent it from being on a Nintendo platform, but I think there's a way they could do it and uh I'd, I'd like to see i think this is definitely a game that has nintendo fans written all over it so sure um if you can get a chance it's it usually goes on sale it's it's pretty cheap um i think i got it maybe in a humble bundle or something like that so uh if you can check it out it's definitely worth you have an afternoon a couple afternoons to yourself it's definitely worth playing uh, you know i'd say i'll comment that music currently... is great too the music is really good Currently, it's ten dollars or nine ninety nine on uh, Steam. And I mean, what I definitely would say about it is that you know it had me thinking because I really had no expectations about this game. All I had heard is that you don't want to play it on Twitch because there's a chance that people are going to spoil the game for you. Uh, and it's it's just I think it's you know it's one of those games I went into only knowing that people liked it, and I kind of knew it was kind of like Earthbound. With no other expectations, and sometimes that's just like the most fun you can have with a game is like, oh, this is the, this, this is what the box art looks like. It looks cool. I'm gonna play it. You know, it's you don't know anything about it. You just go into it playing blind, and you know, I think that sometimes makes games a lot more fun. I mean, the hype is always fun. It's always fun to get excited about a game, but I think there's something to be said about just going into it with no pre preconceptions or anything and it's you know you're just really into it and experiencing it as it happens and i forgot how much i missed that especially with like a short game kind of leaves an impact on you so definitely a lot of fun yeah how uh, how many playthroughs or how how long do you think it took you to finish the game 
I think it was, I think I played it, finished it in about, I want to say like six, six hours. Okay. So it's, it's pretty short and it, it, it's very, it's, it's fast paced. It goes by pretty quickly, I think. Um, and I haven't researched it. There might be, you know, multiple endings or different ways. There's definitely different ways to play the game. I believe I read uh, that. So right. I'm sure the replay value, the replay value is definitely there if you want to go back and try to do things a little bit differently. Um, so I can definitely see why people would go back and do that. So, um, I've, I've read that. And people can compare with other people. I've read that it's actually possible to beat the game without defeating a single enemy. And not in the sense but, that you don't engage uh, with them, but to actually, because, because there's a level of befriending or like uh, taming or not like in a Pokemon way, but you know, um, uh, just not so the, your bad the guy. twist in the game is is that uh, you can attack like normal, and that's what gets you your EXP to raise your your love. They call it your LV it stands for your love, and uh, you can raise your love. But um, there is an option on there that sometimes when you weaken an enemy or sometimes off the bat, you can spare an enemy. Um, so you can just kind of let them go. And you'll still get gold for it, but you won't get the EXP for it. So um, you can definitely spare. I'm pro- they probably designed it so that you can spare everything. But um, uh, it's nice to see from, like, sometimes like if a boss comes up and you want to spare the boss, you can probably do that. And it'll affect how they interact with you and talk with you and stuff. And you might get little, little story bits that aren't there if you would have just destroyed them. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of different ways to approach it. I just, I kind of just killed everything. <laughs> I was like, I just want to get through this. Well, that's what and Nintendo and... and like, why do I... That's what we've been taught all these years, you know? Three, three right, years right. We've been playing so I just, I, I felt back on my my gaming conventions and hacked away at everything and i'm kind of glad i did because there is you know they throw some curveballs at you and it's a lot of fun just go into it not knowing anything just forget everything i've, I've said up until now and <laughs> have i mean some fun with it i haven't played it but i certainly feel like we haven't said enough to uh to ruin, ruin any experiences i think no, uh, no i think primed. you dig it i think you, i think i think both of you would probably like it a lot uh, you know, I'll have to look into this. I'll put it on my wish list so I don't forget about it, and um, maybe wait for a sale. Yeah. But ten bucks seems like a pretty fair price, especially for a six-hour endeavor. And uh, you know, I just want to throw this out there. Not that it. A lot of people in the negative world community don't really care about other publications' scores, but on Metacritic, as of right now that I'm reading, it's got a 92 out of 100. Uh, Destructoid, yeah. IGN, um, Giant Bomb, and US Gamer all gave it either 10 out of 10s or five stars. Um, everything else I'm seeing on screen here is like 91 is the lowest score or a nine out of 10 from GameSpot. I mean, this, this is pretty well loved by, you know, uh, publications big and small. So, um, uh-huh. and you know, I hear that uh, turnabout stepladder on Twitch likes it quite a bit too. So, um, Just, that's a publication. Yeah, itself, that's you know? But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll get that E3 badge one day that I've been longing for. <laughs> Is there any song that you really particularly loved uh, from the from the game? Um, well, I don't. There, there is one. I'm not going to mention a certain one, but Bob's there still. is. Uh, I think the most popular song is, is something called Megalovania, and I think it's one of the boss battle themes. And it, it's you know, it's. I mean, the song is called Megalovania, so you kind of get that it's 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 like a really kind of hardcore NES inspired Mega Man Castlevania 8 bit like it's 
Well, if you it's feel ear like... candy for any of us who are, you know, really into old school games. If you feel like, um, if that we should hear it, I can put it in the show uh, during one of the breaks. So just let me know off air. But uh, yeah, sure. So let's move on to uh, to Joe. You've got a game that you've been itching to talk about for an episode or two now. Um, so yes, that's now? true. All right. <laughs> so. Uh, the game I've been playing for, I guess it's a couple months now, is uh, Final Fantasy Explorers, which is a game that I think has been very, like, you know, either either you're into it or you're not. You know, I, I, I haven't seen a lot of people who are just kind of, like, sort of in, enjoying the game. You know, people are either like, this is what I've been waiting for for years, or they kind of just, like, have know that they just hate it you know they just like do not drive any any pleasure from it um but uh, i happen to be in the category uh the first category of people who have uh really been hoping for something like this for a while when it was first announced you know it was on my radar i was really hoping it would get localized and i i wasn't sure how how good of a chance there was that was going to happen it certainly took a while but uh finally it was re- released in january and it's it's really been what I've been playing the most since then, uh, by a long shot. So the the general setup of the game, it, it, you know, the easiest way to summarize it is it's similar to Monster Hunter, uh, in that you know you can have a party of up to four players, and you just go out on quests, and there's not uh, you know it's it's an action RPG in terms of its structure, but uh, you know it's not like one huge linear progression through a series of events the way that most RPGs are. It's like Monster Hunter, where you just have a little quest, and the quests take you know somewhere between thirty to sixty minutes. And you know you go out, you do the quest, you get loot, you upgrade, you go do another quest, and and, and so forth like that. Um. And that's pretty much the game, but it's got, you know, Final Fantasy uh, coat of paint over everything, which is which is where a lot of a lot of the enjoyment for for me and other people comes from. You know, there's a lot of good uh, fan service in the sense of of not uh, not the way that the word fan service sometimes becomes a bad thing, but uh just like, you know, a lot of things that longtime fans of the Final Fantasy franchise will enjoy. Uh, and yeah, so what, uh, you know, what, is, what has been your guys' sort of uh, experience of the game or knowledge of the game or, or, you know, thinking about looking into it or what? Jim? Uh, well, this, I mean, this would be coming from someone who has never played... I've never played Monster Hunter before. I don't know if that's uh, blasphemy amongst uh, Nintendo yeah. fans. I, unfortunately, my my uh, my experience of Monster Hunter only comes from those really awful demos that they put out for the game that really <laughs> yep. didn't like. Same here. Yep. They really didn't yep. say anything like about what the game actually was, and it was really confusing. But I wouldn't say that necessarily terrible. pushed me off. But um, I guess looking at it, I always 
just think of Monster Hunter as like, all right, if I get Monster Hunter, this has to be my life for a while. Like, it seems like such a right. time sink in terms of like, you know, how long it takes to really get into the game and getting loot and stuff. You know, it's like anything like yep. if you look at games like Diablo and stuff like that, where it's it's just you have to put a lot of time into it to get to the the more satisfying part. So I guess that's part of something that's always put me off about it a little bit. But it looks okay. like Final Fantasy Explorers looks like it's more, I guess, digestible for someone who doesn't want to make that kind of yes. commitment, maybe. I don't know. Absolutely. And so that that looks appealing about it and, and all the Final Fantasy stuff. I mean that that's looked does it have music from the Final Fantasy games as well? It does. Um, some of them, well, I guess I should say, so most of just walking around, you know, that's all brand new music to the game. Really, I guess the only parts where you get the music from previous games is during the trances, which you've probably heard about. That's where you kind of uh, can transform into characters from previous games, like your cloud and yeah, 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 just for yeah, just for a little while. So, you know, Aerith and Cloud and Tifa and uh Terra and Cecil and Bart, you know, like all the all the heroes from the previous games and stuff. Uh and when you transform into them, it plays a track from from their game. So, uh like I'm pretty sure Cloud is the battle music from Final Fantasy 7 and I don't know, I just I don't remember some of the other ones. I think most of them are just the battle music from those games but uh but yeah it's it's i don't know if they're like they're not exactly you know like chip tune i don't think i think they're kind of updated a little bit but it could also just be like really high quality sort of chip tunes because they sound very very like authentic to their originals so you know i was going to comment because uh, one of the things that i read about this game was uh, a bit about the music and I, you know it, it doesn't quite say they didn't quite say uh, if they had not used any chiptune, but <clears throat> during some of the digital music rendering and modeling, um, the uh, the composer, uh, Tsuyoshi Sakito, had used a six-string guitar and even a seven-string guitar, maybe even a couple of them, to, to play some guitar uh, for, not necessarily as the lead-in track, but for some of the music. And um, that's pretty wild. I mean, you don't hear uh, a seven-string guitar very uh, very often. You know? Right. Right. Well, <laughs> there's there's one track. There's a like I I got the uh, the soundtrack just to listen to, and uh, there is a version of the Chocobo theme, which is awesome. It's like this rocking version of the Chocobo theme. But that's the only track from the soundtrack I've yet to encounter in the game. So I don't actually know where you find that. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, there's one special sort of chocobo quest that I, I know I've done and I don't recall hearing it there but so maybe I have to do something in that quest but anyway so I could very much imagine that being a, a special guitar usage uh, instance hmm. but I actually wanted to wonder... sort of run down real quick uh, I have a, a short list of, of reasons why this game is different than Monster Hunter and and obviously, depending on your tastes, it'll make it either better or worse. But um, before I get to that, Jamie, I sort of cut you off there. What, 
what were you gonna say? No, no. I, sorry, I uh, I was gonna say I wonder if um, they borrowed any music from like theater rhythm or something like that, just because there's like oh. so many hundreds of songs in those games. So I haven't played that. I probably should, just because I love all of those songs. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just a suggestion. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um. So let me. So neither one of you have played uh, any Monster Hunter, right? Yeah, just the demo. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no. the demo, which was which was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, I'll <laughs> run been... down. No. Yeah. No. So I'll run down these uh, uh, these reasons, and we'll see if if some of them you can sort of relate to or or understand or what, and, and uh, hopefully it should help explain why, as someone who was really really into Monster Hunter, like I put you know. 500 hours on Monster Hunter Try, and I think I put another like 400 in the trial to that came to Wii U and stuff. But now, like, I'm kind of like after playing Explorers, I kind of like I really, really hope this franchise continues. I'm a little worried that it won't because this completely like scratches that Monster Hunter itch, but in a much, much more enjoyable way. Like, I never want to have to play monster hunter again after playing this wow. game but yeah wow. so anyway so let me i'll run down some of the, these reasons so um first of all like in in monster hunter you know you, as jamie mentioned you you invest this huge amount of time and you end up being at sort of like different levels compared to the the people you're playing with right someone who's spent a hundred hours is going to be at a different point in the game than someone who's three hours in and the problem is usually that means if those people play together, which they can, uh, uh, the person who's a hundred hours in gets like nothing out of the quest. You know, like it's completely a ch- charitable donation of their time to help out the lower level person. And there's really nothing that the higher level person can get. Now, what's pretty smart about, uh, this game is that when you upgrade weapons using, uh, using items it's got the sort of scale where like 20 low level items or materials will be equal to like three high level materials do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that that person who's playing a quest that's way beneath them is still going to be getting something useful out of it does that make sense it's obviously less valuable but it's still you can still feel like you're you've got some reason. It's like they're getting playing, tickets you know? that they can cash in for prizes. Yeah, right. So, um, um, so that was that was a big thing. Does is the game just completely loot based, or is there any sort of like leveling mechanic to it? Yeah, it's pretty much entirely loot based. Like you have have a level, but I swear it doesn't do anything. <laughs> like. Like, you, um, <laughs> and I guess that's also kind of kind of similar to um, to Monster Hunter, where you have a rank, but it's almost just so you can like easily gauge when you meet someone new, kind of where they're at in the game. So there's no like experience points uh, for your character. You can raise monsters uh, that you can bring into battle, and, and they get experience and they sort of level up in a more traditional way. But you don't know. It's just you improve based on uh, on your gear. And sort of your strategy. 
so if if I'm like a hundred hours into the game and you're two hours into the game, is it gonna do anything to like scale me down so that the game oh, is no. still fun and no? Do you just like annihilate everything? <laughs> well, what you could do is you could choose to just wear really low level armor and weapons if you wanted. Oh, uh, okay. Um, also a big part of it is how you equip your abilities. So you could also, and I guess I should say, like, there's a way that you sort of level up the abilities through using them. It's a bit probably too complicated for mentioning quickly now, but so you could also equip, like, low level versions of, of magic spells, so to speak. So, um, and you can set presets. Like, you can, you could, so you could put together, like, if you're a real high level knight, you could, make a preset for a real low-level version of that, and then just like two clicks go back and forth between them. So, you know, if you're playing and then your low-level friend signs on, a couple clicks, and then you're kind of down to their level. If you choose to do it that way. Okay. You know, um, real quick, yeah. uh, do you have a, a job that you prefer? Since you mentioned um, the knight, I mean, there's a lot of different classes sure. and jobs. I'm just curious. Yeah. Well, it's funny because before I got the game, like I've always wanted to be like a healer support magic character. And I've always liked the white mages in Final Fantasy. So before this game came out, I was all like, yeah, I'm going to be the white mage. I'm going to heal everybody. And I was telling people like, get the game so I can support you and stuff. And now Mapadup always jokes with me because I don't play as a white mage. And she's like, you promised you were going to heal me. <laughs> but um, and that's only because I discovered... Um, so there's this job called Beast Beastmaster, and that's the one where you, um, you, uh, you know, like I said, you can raise monsters, you can bring them along, but if you're a Beastmaster, then your monsters get like this insane boost in uh, power, and it really just is awesome. Like I just go into battle with these monsters, and it feels a little like Pokemon, and we just like annihilate everything. And and it's just the job that's really fit with me. And you're dressed like a sheep? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, looks like a sheep. I'm at the Final Fantasy awesome. uh, Wikia, and I recommend people go look up the Beastmaster job there because it's kind of adorable. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, like, the. Sounds white like mage it should be formidable has... looking. But... <laughs> <laughs> He's got like, those horns. The white mage has cat ears and a cat tail and stuff, so there's, there's definitely some of the. You know the cuter aspects of Final Fantasy are in are in this game. You know, yeah. Um, running running down this list, I'll try to keep it short. But if you've played Monster Hunter, you'll know that, like, first of all, you know you can die at any moment, right? You get hit by the wrong move at the wrong time, you're just dead. Uh, that still is kind of here, but the problem in Monster Hunter is every time you like use an item, or you know, like go to sharpen your weapon or something it's just like really slow oh and you do these like unnecessary poses and stuff and it just creates a sort of like artificial difficulty that doesn't really make any sense you know like if you were actually in that universe you're fighting this monster that's going to kill you if you used an item you wouldn't then like stop and flex your muscles afterwards you know but that amount of time in monster hunter <laughs> it's just like equals death you know so there's none of that. There's none of that at all in this game. Um, also in Monster Hunter, it operates on a, a four-death limit. 
So when you do a quest, if people die four times, that's how you fail. Uh, in this game, there's no such limit. So people can die as many times as they want, but it takes time away. So if you run out of time, that's how you fail the quest. Uh, this is important because if you happen to be playing with, like sometimes in Monster Hunter, if you're playing with random people who don't really know what they're doing, they can very easily ruin the whole quest for everyone. But under this scenario with the time limits, it's just much, much more forgiving. And it's a lot easier to sort of mitigate if someone doesn't really know what they're doing. Uh, so it just takes so much of the stress out of it. You know, it's just like you don't feel like, oh, my God, you know, at any moment, but this could all fall apart. You know, like if someone dies in this game, you can just revive them with a spell. You don't have to take any time off. You don't have to get any sort of penalty. So if you've got a strong enough healer on your team, it doesn't matter if that person doesn't know what they're doing. You can kind of make up for it, you know, whereas in Monster Hunter, it's just four deaths no matter what and game game over you know um so another big sort of convenience about explorers is that there's all these different jobs to choose from and there's no real penalty for switching between them in monster hunter there's this big divide between the melee weapons and the ranged weapons if you build up your melee character and then you want to switch to ranged you kind of have to start over from the beginning uh whereas here it's really easy to just switch between jobs and sort of play around and experiment with them find out what you like and dislike it's been very, very entertaining watching Mop It Up. She'll switch between jobs every like two or three quests as she's sort of figuring out what is most comfortable for her. Um, and you just feel like you have this, this freedom. You know, you feel like the time you've invested in a job doesn't lock you into that. You can still, you know, still sort of play just whatever your, your whim is at that time. Obviously, the more time you, you do invest, the stronger you'll get, but you're not really locked down the way you are in Monster Hunter. Um, there's no super duper rare drops in this game compared to Monster Hunter. There are, of course, you know, very rare materials, but like in Monster Hunter, you might conceivably do a quest a few dozen times and just have bad luck and not get the item you were looking for. But in Final Fantasy Explorers, it's just, it's just much more toned down. So you'd probably at most do a quest, you know, maybe three or four times. Uh, before you get what you're looking for. Um, in both games, you can like harvest, uh, you know, like, uh, like there's little harvest spots where you would go and pick things up. And there's also little beasts along the way that you can fight. But in Monster Hunter, it, those things very, very quickly become irrelevant. Like very quickly, it's, you just completely stop like harvesting. Uh, plants and you completely stop fighting small enemies. Uh, and then they're just, it just, it just again, it feels kind of artificial. It just becomes this like rush to fight the big boss and, and rinse and repeat. Uh, whereas in Explorers, those other smaller things still are important all the way through the game. So it just feels like a sort of more organic world because you still have reason, you know, very good reason to go and like harvest, uh, you know, minerals at this one spot and fight these little baddies along the way uh and it just feels you know like you have more options and control and 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 less gamey um and i guess that's it so those are my 
those are my reasons why uh, I'm enjoying Final Fantasy Explorers so much, and especially compared to Monster Hunter for someone who has played a lot of Monster Hunter. Well, I appreciate the uh, the detailed explanation, and, um, and yeah. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, separate it from Monster Hunter or even Final Fantasy, because mm-hmm. for a game like this, I mean... You know, admittedly, you know, I'm not too into Final Fantasy. Not that I have anything against it, but just never grabbed me in the back in the day. Um, so just the title alone kind of sets it off into a, a bit of a, mm-hmm. you know, um, down position, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, the Monster Hunter. Um, if I had looked at this footage and, and seen the game and, and made that connection, uh, while that's a good thing for for you and many others, but you know, understanding how it's like Monster Hunter versus Final Fantasy or something else altogether, you know, it, it really can affect, um, you know, one's opinion. So, uh, can't say I'm going to pick this up, run and pick this up right away, but um, I'm glad <laughs> right. you're having fun with it. And, and mainly, I think it's just a matter of uh, how deep the game is. And I can only handle one of those every so often. And I've got right. Xenoblade Chronicles X still sitting at like 40 hours that I need to get back into. So, um, right. I mean, I will. I will also say, you know, one thing that a lot of people who, who really love Monster Hunter would not like about this is is that it is so much simpler and so much easier. Um, like it, it's just people who really enjoy Monster Hunter. Some of them really, really love the challenge of it, and they love the fact that that game kind of beats you down and and frustrates you sometimes. Uh, people who have tried explorers and don't really like it it's for like the opposite reason because explorers is just especially by comparison it's just so easy you know it's it's kind of it's kind of hard to lose a mission you know there there will be like sticky moments but um so the game game i think feels almost like like a kiddie version of monster hunter to some long time players uh but for me that's like a blessing and and it, it also means that you don't really have to worry about that those kind of time investments that you guys have been talking about like you can you can pick it up and accomplish a lot in a short amount of time and you don't even necessarily have to get to this whole end game thing because it's just it's kind of more about the in the moment playing experience than some far away goal i think the way that monster hunter usually usually is so so yeah is there any similarity whatsoever to Fantasy Life? You know, I didn't, I never played Fantasy Life, but um, I think that there is. I, you know, from my understanding, the difference would be in Fantasy Life, you could really advance through jobs that would like have nothing to do with fighting, right? You, you could be like a blacksmith or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I guess I would say no, in that it's still all about the exploring and the battles there's not really like a like an in town kind of element to it the way that like you know the like animal crossing thing has like things you can do in town and and what i have heard like fantasy life or maybe even like a harvest moon might have um so it's still all about the fighting but yeah okay all right well uh you know i encourage those uh who are interested to go check it out. I mean, with the online community and capability, it sounds like a great game for friends to have. 
Yeah, I think that's the other important thing. You gotta. It really adds a lot if you have people that you that you know are going to be playing the game and are like sort of like play it in a in a, a way that's agreeable to you. So like uh, like I mentioned, mop it up. A friend of mine, uh, Rocket from Nin Temple, Game Dad Grant has been a lot of fun to play with. Uh, Lou, when he has time, has been a lot of fun to play with. Um, so it's really been helpful having this sort of like rotation of friends that that are you know playing the game along and and always up for a for a quest and yeah it's been really cool it's been a good community sense. Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, anything else that you've been playing or uh, shall we move forward? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Um, well, that leaves it to me. Uh, you know, I've been. I'm not playing anything new lately. Um, I uh, I guess we'll start with I have two games I'll mention you know pretty briefly. But um, I'm back into Pikmin three. Um, for whatever reason, I beat that game years ago. But uh, you know, I had my nephews over my my house uh, for the first time uh, since I've been living in it, and uh, you know we had pizza and we just hung out and then they went to play some Nintendo and they picked Pikmin and we played some of the uh, the bingo battle. And it was just a lot of fun uh, playing that again. And and then I saw that my file uh, in the story mode was only like, you know, on day five. And I was like, what? Like, I thought I beat this. And I was like, hey, did you, uh, you know, because the kids would always come over um, my last place and uh, play my video games and stuff like that. And I taught them pretty well to not overwrite things. But they, uh, you know, it, who knows? I played this so long ago, maybe they had. Um, it's now occurred to me that perhaps after you beat the game, it just starts over anyway. Because I still have like a, a day forty-one record in the top five or something like that um, somewhere in the game, so I think that I'm just playing this for no real purpose now. But I'm having a lot of fun. Um, so playing <laughs> Pikmin three, and I'm on day like twenty or something like that. So I'm about halfway through based on my old uh, my old trial, and I just got the fourth type of Pikmin. I've yet to get the water Pikmin, but um, the game is just really fun still. I mean, I, I won't talk too much about it. I mean, anyone who wants to play it probably has by now. Um, it came out recent or decently early in the Wii U life cycle, did it not? I don't quite recall yes. when it did, but um, but man, this game is beautiful, and that's what always really gets me with this game. Um, I mean, and, and to tie that up, I mean, I'm really looking forward to the Pikmin Four that was rumored and talked about, and that Miyamoto pretty much confirmed is supposed to be happening for the Wii U, uh, unless it's going to be like an X title, but. Uh, there's something that gets me about a game where you are managing a small squad of people, uh, well, in this case, Pikmin, but characters. Um, but I think what gets me more than, say, a wonderful 101 or something is how you're in this microscopic world. I mean, the landscape and exploring the ground has never been more exciting. Like, if I went into my backyard right now and just started roaming on my, on my belly, you know, looking through the grass and things, not fun at all. But this, way better. Uh, and I love seeing like the natural predators, like a spider in a spider's web. Suddenly, I had a bunch of flying Pikmin taking pieces of a bridge recently, and I thought that I had defeated everyone and we were all good. Suddenly, I'm freaking out because I'm losing Pikmin like crazy. They're all getting caught in a stupid web because the natural path for the flying Pikmin was uh, over a river through a spider web. And then I'm frantically going over there and you know taking the loss. Now I'm trying to grow more Pikmin. I mean, there's just something really fun about the organic nature and the nature itself of Pikmin uh, as a series. And I really wish I'd gotten into the series when I 
you know, when I first heard about it with Peekman, uh, the original. Um, and I just remembered, no one likes how I say the name, so Peekman, 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 Peekman. Yep, I'm letting it go. <laughs> Pikmin, whatever. You know what? My, my, my nephew had said something about um, he wanted to play uh, that game or Peekman. He might have said it. Uh, or No, he might have said Pikmin, I think. And I said, I say Peekman, but I think you're probably right. So just keep saying it like that. And uh, so I'm trying to get him on the right path, but I am who I am, and I like Peekman. Um, yep. But the game is the game's just beautiful. Um, according to my notes, there's uh, I really enjoy the fruit hunting echidnas, but um, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that was another uh, edit by my uh, co-host. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean another the fruit hunting Joe edit. The fruit hunting aspect I find a, really cool too. I know that it, some people didn't really care for it, but uh, I think I think what gets me the most about that is just the names. And I can't, you know, I can't recall a single one, but I was having fun, um, you know, finding the fruit yesterday and reading them out loud what the, what the different, like grapes, I think are called dark pustules. And, um, it's just, it's just so cool because these people are on earth, these characters, uh, Alf and the team, they're on earth, but yet they don't know it. And it's just, it's just really, right. there's something neat about exploring the world that you know in that fashion. And then of course, on such a, uh, zoomed in scope because I think we've all, you know, growing up as kids, looked at the world once or twice at like, what's that ant's perspective look like? You know what I mean? As you watch them kind of roam and everything, and this is what you get out of the game. So, I really can't, you know, wait long enough for. Um, I don't know if that's the right sentence, but I, I can't wait for Pikmin Four, and I really hope that it hits the Wii U because I just want it now. But I mean, do you guys think that's going to hit as an NX title? you think they're just going to drop it? Or do you think we have more Pikmin on the way? More Pikmin, sorry. I'm trying to figure out, for me, for, yeah, the uh, Pikmin, the proper way to, to say that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, for me, now, I've only played Pikmin 3, so I haven't played the other two, but I'm trying to figure out, for me, what they are going to do in Pikmin 4 that's really going to you know, push the franchise forward. So I think what they've kind of relied on so far is uh, adding more captains. And I don't see them adding another, like, yeah, player character switch. I think three is a good limit. I think even with that as a first-timer, I was a little overwhelmed at times. But um, I think, I mean, one way they could push it forward... Uh, I mean, so far the games have basically been about you know escaping the planet or just it's it's a very i mean obviously kind of a small stakes kind of game where like it might not seem like a huge boss battle but like the end of pikmin 3 it's like it's a big deal even though it's something that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal so i'm wondering if they change it uh like kind of raise the stakes <clears throat> raise the stakes of like how the Pikmin, like maybe the captains are affecting the world around them or saving the world or something like that. And uh, I don't know. Uh, that's more of a story thing, I guess, from a, from a gameplay perspective. Um, I'm really not sure. Um, I mean, they've, they introduce new kinds of Pikmin to throw around. Um, so I don't, I don't know how long they can keep doing that before they just, it kind of gets stale. Right, I mean, 5 is pretty good as is with Pikmin 3, uh, and they have a lot of variety. You've got the rock, you've got the electricity ones, you've got the fire fighters, you've got the flying and then the water. 
ones that can go in the water. So at what point, what it, what else is there? You know, um, some of them can be thrown high. Some of them are good diggers. I mean, they've kind of rounded it out. Um, if they did add any more, I'd hope it'd be only probably like one at that most. Because uh, that, that, if you do more than that, you kind of risk having like a Pokemon situation where you've got over 700 now. So you're diminishing the individual further and further. You're diluting, you know, what what's there. And uh... Uh, I think for me, the the most sense that it makes for the series to go is to probably go online. I mean, they have the multiplayer, local multiplayer mode in there already. So we have an idea of how two people, and they have multiplayer, I think, in Pikmin 2, but I don't think they have have a multiplayer like through the main story in Pikmin 3 so if you could have you know one person playing as one captain another one playing as the other captain and you're actually working together online to multitask and things like that I think that would would be a lot of fun and I feel like that that's kind of the natural progression of things if they've kind of experimented with the multiplayer but I think I feel like it could go farther especially in terms of like a cooperative sense with each other Sure. I would support that. That'd be up for that. What's um what method, Jamie, did you use when you played for uh control scheme? Did you use just the gamepad or did you use the remote nunchuck? I used everything actually, like depending on what I was doing. Like this this is a game for me. I actually like playing before going to bed. Mm-hmm. And, and like I'd have to move my, my Wii U in such a way that the, the gamepad signal would actually reach the bedroom, but uh, I got in on the game like right after they had added the stylus controls, and I thought they worked like perfectly. I thought it was really intuitive. Um, it was really easy to just tap and point, and you can. It was really easy to jump to the map and and do that like auto navigate mode, mm-hmm. which I thought was really helpful. And I don't know how I could go back to an old Pikmin game without doing that because, you know, the, the 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 world is so twisting and turny. It's so hard to navigate on your own and not get lost. Yeah, um, I but uh, I like that a lot. I mean, the the biggest drawback to that is obviously that you have your hand and a stylus on top of the screen all the time, so uh, uh, it can get a little bit annoying in terms of like you want to see what you're doing. Um, but the alternative to that would be using the Wii U or the the pointer control and with that it's kind of getting that same functionality but you have an unobstructed view of everything Um, but with that it's the way they did it I don't I really did not like I mean you have to keep the gamepad like on a stand or on your lap or something to be able to see the map and it's like we have a high definition screen in front of me like you can't put like a little mini map on there for me or something like that. So I thought they they could definitely in a new game improve on that uh, because I I never get away from the gamepad. You were always using you were either using the gamepad or you had to use both, and I just felt like that was not very intuitive. So uh, that might be why I like playing on the gamepad better because you're not doing so much juggling back and forth between like input devices and like you have to like tap the screen to use the map I was it was a whole it's way too complicated I thought yeah yeah I, I personally I prefer the uh, remote nunchuck and I would use the gamepad just yeah, I like for, that a lot 
the glancing is in a God view. And then also, like you said, the, uh, the self navigation was always helpful. But then you know, one of the issues I had with that was just how dumb the characters can still be sometimes where you'd find Pikmin that get stuck and then you don't necessarily know that they are. Um, but I guess that's due to enemies and stuff showing up. And then suddenly my group has slightly changed. And if it's at the end of the day, then I've got to try to round up these stragglers who just got lost somewhere. They got stuck in a crevice or something. It doesn't happen all the time, but uh, it's not perfect. Uh, I, I, yeah, I kind of wish... Sorry. I, I, I kind of wish that there was... Because like you said, there is that chance that, like you get two or three Pikmin that are in a rock somewhere and you, you're like, oh, I didn't mean to leave them there. It would be nice to be able to maybe just like circle them on the the gamepad real quickly and get any of like those little straggler pikmin that have lost their way like as like a last resort or like not the most precise thing to pick out individual ones but at least to grab those ones that maybe you forgot about or something like that like remotely Mm -hmm. i mean it would change the game a lot but that that was definitely something for me that was hard to get around Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know the point i bring up about the control scheme is simply to note that I think if this is on an NX, I think whatever the NX really is, is going to drive what Pikmin 4 ends up being. So, you know, we don't know if it's going to allow us to be backwards compatible with a tablet, with a Wiimote nunchuck. You know, we have no idea. Um, And I guess it's just too early to tell. But I wouldn't mind if they just change the formula a little bit from what they had in Pikmin 3, because I really felt that game nailed it, despite uh, not having experience with Pikmin 1 or 2. But, um, but anyway, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep, keep playing it and get to the end, because I feel like I'm an expert, even though I'm actually struggling at certain puzzles again, where I'm like, oh yeah, what, where do I go for this? What do I do? Um, so it's actually feeling pretty fresh for me right now. And again, it just looks so beautiful on the screen. I think I'm just going to finish this one out. But I've also been playing... Uh, great just game. A... What's that? Oh, sorry. I said it's a great game. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on such a delay. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> no problem, man. Uh, the other thing I've been playing is uh, Pokemon Yellow Version. And I got into that because... Yeah. You know, we have the 20th anniversary and the games were released in the eShop and the only game I ever sold or traded away was Pokemon Blue, and I kind of regret it. I had finished it, but I, you know, back that was when I didn't realize how you know GameStop was evil and all that stuff, and um, I don't really feel that they are, but uh, whatever. So I got rid of Pokemon Blue, and so I haven't actually owned a copy of that in a while. And I thought, you know what, I never played the yellow version, and I picked it up. Um, where I'm at right now is I've been leveling up. I'm currently on the SSM and I'm in the 20s for all my characters. Some of them are in like 24. Uh, some of them just reached 20. But um, I'm trying to level up and grind a bit before I go to each gym leader to not necessarily make things easy, but I want to... I, I like to be at least at their level because it, it seems that the gym leaders are a bit higher than their counterparts that are in their gym and also the surrounding area which I didn't quite remember that being the case before, but I guess, you know, it is it is what it is. Um, I went with Pokemon Yellow over Blue and Red, though, uh, just because it was supposed to be doing something different with Pikachu following you, and it's supposed to be a little more like the anime with uh, Jesse and James being around. And I found so far that really there's not, it's not a huge change. Um, 
You know, I haven't uh, I haven't taken Pikachu out of my party though. Um, do you guys recall what happens if you do that? I mean, he just doesn't follow you. I mean, you can do that, right? It doesn't yell at you or anything. I've never played. I've never played yellow before. Joe, do you know? Do you know? Um, no, I've never played them either. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I have no problems keeping it this way because I need a good electric Pokemon, and Pikachu uh, is good for that. It, it makes the first gym a little tricky because obviously electric is not very good against rock. Uh, but I think I had a Butterfree, which I'll probably drop soon enough. Um, but the Confusion move has been helping quite a bit with, with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been enjoying it. Uh, there's very little interaction and, and fun to be had from Pikachu following you around. And, you know, I don't recall if this is true. This is the other thing that I was wondering about. But um, I don't know if there's any Thunderstones in this game, because I don't know if they'd want you to evolve Pikachu into Raichu. That kind of breaks the premise. And, right. uh, I, I, I think if you try to, he refuses or something. Because I think the Thunderstone has to still be in there if you want to evolve into uh, Jolteon. Oh, right. Well, I'm going to be pretty pissed when it comes to that. Because I really want a Raichu because it's stronger. And obviously, you know, that's what <laughs> evolutions do. So if I'm going to be stuck with Pikachu, I just might have to go to like Jolteon or something. And drop Pikachu all together. I don't know. Uh, He's, he has to be... He has to be one of... Of the only electric Pokemon you get for a while, because other than him, there's like Voltorb and uh, Electrode and mm -hmm. Magnemite, and they come in like way later. Yeah, I feel the power like. plants uh, late in the game, I think. Yeah. Like midway, at least. If I remember correctly, that's where you first see like a substantial amount of electric Pokemon, if any at all. Um,. And electric Pokemon is always part of my team. I just always like the uh, that type and those those characters. But so you know, this might have been the wrong choice. I probably would have preferred to have Blue. But I, I don't remember if Pikachu. Well, no, I think Pikachu is readily available in those. I don't remember if it was type specific or, or not. Probably not. But uh, but oh well. I mean, I'm still having fun with it. It is grindy. And, you know, I've always had, I've always reminisced and uh, loved the original Pokemon games, but I'm really appreciating some of the upgrades that we've had now. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, you know, was it really worth me running back into right when I did? Eh, probably not. It's not going to go anywhere on the eShop. I could have just waited around and maybe never got to it, but I'm in it. I'd like to finish it. And I'm, I'm trying, to man trying to manage six Pokemon, which... As people have said in the past, it's almost kind of stupid. It's better to have like four because then you can focus on them. You can get them to level up quicker because you're giving your XP to them. You're not spreading them across six. And then if they're strong enough, you can actually win most battles with just a few less than the full team. But uh, whatever, I don't know. I'm sitting on some rare candies that I don't want to use until I reach level 99, which will not happen for any of them. So I don't know when I'm going to use those. I probably should just, <laughs> I don't know. When is the right time? Because it's... You get your, your biggest bang for your buck by waiting till they're as, you know, high as they can be. But uh, um, I am finding that they are holding up my, my item limit pretty uh, substantially, though. I have some TMs and things like that, but I'm already running out of space, which is also frustrating. So the game's not the, the greatest thing since sliced bread, but, um, but I'm, I'm having fun with it anyway. Are you familiar with the Nuzlocke challenge? Oh, I would never Ooh. touch a Nuzlocke challenge. No, thank you. 
because I would really like to do one, and I've never played the Gen 1 games, so I was thinking this might be a good opportunity for me, but I'm a little worried at combining the difficulty of said challenge with the difficulty of those early games. What do you think? Um, well, I think that... Yep. <laughs> uh, I almost said think... it, so it's fine. It's fine I, that you I did. think... I think that's a lot of people when they do the Nuzlocke. I think that's kind of the generation that came from, or that it's preferred. I feel like I've always heard them uh, relate to the Gen One, but I can see it being tricky, man. Um, I wouldn't recommend you do that with Pokemon Yellow because you're stuck with Pikachu to start, and you can't have like a type bias against any of the gyms uh, early on, or even your own uh, rival. But I mean, it is simple enough to where you don't have to worry about. The way that the EVs uh, got way more crazy in Gen 2 and on. Um, yeah, it might be worth worth trying. If you do, I would suggest that you log it in some fashion, whether on Nin Temple or Negative World or uh, you know, something altogether. But I've, you know, I, I'm, I feel bad that I can't remember the user's name. But uh, one of our users at Negative World, in, I think last Dave year, something? was it Dapper Dave? Wasn't it? I thought it was. It may have been. I didn't want to say because I wasn't certain, but uh, somebody at Negative World had actually done something like that where they chronicled it for a while, and I think they ended up losing um, after a couple gyms. I mean, but it's tough to do that. So if you want to try, I mean, you've already gotten your Pokedex 100% complete, which is insane enough. I say you go for a Nuzlocke challenge. Right, I'd like to see it. Yeah. Interesting. All right. I would like yeah. to, so maybe, maybe this summer... Or something like that. You could, well, I forget what the, um, you have to name your Pokemon in that challenge, right? Correct. You can name them after negative worlders, you know? Ooh, that's or, not bad, especially because I always have know. such a hard time coming up with names. So. Yeah, just name it after people you, you interact with and your friends there, and then they can be your that support would be team. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah. And then you can, uh, what would you name your rival? Even. No, just kidding. <laughs> you know what though? Uh, to that effect, I um I named my rival Adam after my uh, my cousin because that's what I did in the very first Pokemon experience back in I'm Blue. I was like, who can my rival be? My cousin, because he and I are pretty close. So that was funny. So it's funny you say that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So who would it be? You know? I don't know. So you do name your rival even in that very first game? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. You can name him Nuzlocke because that's the challenge. It's true. But anyway. So yeah, so that's me. You know, that's what I've been playing on the handheld and the Pikmin on the on the Wii U. So uh I do have a Twilight Princess H D sitting around that I haven't touched yet, but um me and old games, I don't know what the hell. I need to play a new game. But or a new game bird. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Bad timer. <laughs> by no, by November I'll get a, a new game yep. going. Um game. so uh, okay, let's take another short break, and then we'll come back and uh, we'll discuss a little bit about the NX rumor that just uh, came, debunked, and is now withering away. We'll be right back.
show. Uh, not, you know, not, not a huge debate per se, because um, by the time we actually got around to recording the show, uh, the leak was already debunked, but a few days ago, images surfaced of an NX controller that looks kind of like um, Hey Arnold's head, maybe? Yep. Uh, <laughs> rear view mirror. Yeah, rear view mirror. You know, um, you know, uh, the the waggle controls of the Wiimote could only be beaten by the uh, whatever the hell would come out of a rear view mirror controller. But um, it was a, uh, a leaked prototype uh, that kind of resembled what we had seen many many um, months back when the uh, a patent was filed by Nintendo for essentially the same kind of shaped device, and it was a controller with a screen that pretty much was the whole controller. And uh, so this definitely made waves, and there was um, a lot of analysis of the screens, and it looked very authentic. And it turns out, uh, as far as I understand it, the reason it's authentic is because it was actually a physical uh, item that was with, with, with some Photoshop, uh, I suppose, perhaps to make the image look nice and clean, but... Uh, an actual prototype that was made just by people trying to fake it. The whole point is it's just an empty, you know, there's no, no, no innards to it. It's all faked, but it really made waves. And, you know, I guess I want to hear what your thoughts were to start off on uh, how you felt about seeing this. I mean, were you guys fooled? I guess let's start there. Were you guys fooled by this? Uh, I'm going to say no, not to like, like toot my own horn or anything, but I don't know. Uh, it, it, to me, well, first of all, it's hard to really, really believe any rumor online until it's confirmed. So my default reaction is always like, that's eh, gotta be photoshopped or it's gotta be fake or something. Like it, it looked, I don't know. I, I didn't, I think, I think part of it's just, I didn't want to believe it. Uh, but, um, it was interesting. Yeah, Joe, were you fooled at all? Not really. I mean, only insofar as I will never... Like, it looked really, really wacky and weird. And it seemed like, you know, the idea of having a screen that would wrap around a controller such that your hands would cover part of the video and just... It, just so many things. But it just seems so wacky. But, you know, I always kind of tell myself that, like, you know, Nintendo, they do some really wacky things. So, I, I, you know, I normally would have said no way in hell if it was any other company but because it was Nintendo but I felt this, this small sliver of like well maybe it could be possible and if it is I'll see what they actually you know what direction they take it is is what's more important than how it's actually shaped but I was very skeptical overall yeah I mean same here uh, I didn't even give it much attention until after it was already debunked but no. um, you know to, to I, that effect I feel like sorry Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say to that effect, though, I can't imagine Nintendo would release a controller where you are obstructing permanently uh, part of the screen. It just, if they had made it more rectangular, but still that weird football shape, but just like the actual screen still rectangular, I mean, I think that's that would be more in line with, with what they would do. But go ahead, Jamie. Right, yeah. Uh, well, not to, you know, intentional puns, but uh, I think Nintendo is the kind of company that would cut too many corners with that kind of stuff. Like, if they could make that screen smaller, they would. Like, like I think part of their, you know, the problem with the, the Wii U is that, and, you know, I love the gamepad. I think I've gotten a lot of use out of it, but part of it was just that gamepad was so expensive. 
and it really did uh, crank up the price of the system to the point where people didn't think they were getting a lot of worth out of it. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, but um, that thing looks like way more expensive than what the gamepad is, and I was like, I don't, I couldn't see them making that decision twice. I mean, the only thing that was kind of inching me towards like, wow, this is crazy enough that it could be real, was when someone mentioned the idea that it could have some sort of like traditional controller attachments on this side. And I was like, that could be a thing that I could see Nintendo doing. And especially after we've seen uh, Microsoft already kind of start doing this with their, their Xbox One Pro Controller, where you can swap out the D-pad and the analog sticks, or you can put the, the paddle buttons on the back so i mean at this point nothing's like too crazy but from a, a financial standpoint i couldn't see how they could make that like affordable to have a an oval shaped screen and and all of that it, it looked a little too futuristic in some standpoint uh, or from some perspective uh from a company that traditionally uh does cut some corners with their, you know, like using, uh, not, not capacitive, uh, res what is it, uh, resistive touchscreens, whatever they call on the, the sure. gamepad. Yeah. Like, uh -huh. like certain things that, uh, is Nintendo gonna make like a 4K, uh, screen shaped like an oval with analog sticks sticking out? Like, that's not really their MO usually. <laughs> well, you know, to that effect though. The patent itself, as far as I understand, was real. So, what do you what do you think that says? Sure. Well, to but me, I mean, like normally, worse. those patents are going to be like historically, aren't patents uh, uh, for a concept that will not end up looking very very similar to that because they don't want to give away the exact designs when they patent things, right? So, sure. you know. Okay, so like the screen... I don't know what the key point was. Yeah, right. You know, and I, I haven't read the patent itself, so it's hard to I guess infer what they're uh, what they're going for. You're right, though. But um, so maybe that was almost a mistake by the the faker to to make it as close to that as as they did. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. But I do want to see a game that stars a little character that's in the patent. He looks like Mickey Mouse without the ears. You know. Like Fox Boy and Mickey crossover, <laughs> little steam, Steamboat Willie kind of, kind of exactly same same pose and everything. Uh, uh, you know, okay. So to that effect, do you guys have any hypotheses of what Nintendo really is planning on doing? I mean, do, are we going to see this at E three or what? I kind of still fall back to what I've said from the beginning because I haven't really had any any evidence to kind of veer me away from the idea that. Um, NX is basically going to be like a platform, um, and that there's going to be multiple devices within that platform. Um, I don't know if that's in like, but, um, uh, I don't know if that's been all but confirmed, but to me, that makes the most sense, especially hearing about them, uh, unifying their, their hardware or like their console and, portable soft hardware edition like or teams and stuff like that so i kind of see it being some sort of like ipad iphone relationship where the devices are similar and there's gonna be things that work cross-platform 
platform, but they're still going to both have their own unique exclusives. Because, I mean, Nintendo is not going to release two systems potentially that don't have exclusives. I think they want to kind of use them to leverage each other, but they, they want to also use them as their own standalone uh, things, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, I really can't even venture a guess as to the specifics, but conceptually that is... That is what I think. Do you guys feel that they're going to use the games themselves to separate the distinctions? Or do you think that they'd be more primed to use DLC? Kind of like Hyrule uh, Warriors Legends, you know, where you've got the two versions, but they're pretty much the same, except one's got, you know, characters that you can't get other other places, although you can with DLC. Um, I mean, would they do something like that, or, or do you think we're going to see, you know, Mario, Paper Mario, Color Splash only on the NX, you know, so to speak, uh, and then there'd be a whole different kind of Mario and Luigi RPG on the handheld still, like they've been doing. Uh, I, th- I, I don't know. I don't think we've had enough evidence to show that they would do something like that because I think they've been, we've had, we've seen more things of like them dabbling in the idea that if you get, uh, like. Um, what is it? Donkey Mar- Mario versus Donkey Kong. If you get that on one platform, you can cross by it on the other platform because I mean it's a it's a, it's a simple enough game that it can run on both platforms. So I think we've seen them kind of experiment with that a little bit, and we've also seen them say, "Okay, you own this on this platform, so maybe it'll be a little bit cheaper on this platform." But for all I know, they they'll do something else because they're selling Super Nintendo games for twelve dollars now on a on a system that nobody. Uh, you know, it looks like they're just using maybe their devices right now to experiment to see what's working, what what are people willing to pay for, and that kind of stuff. And I think they're basically trying to you know figure out where they're going with everything. So. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of think like, if you look at a game like if you look at a game like Link Between Worlds, like for me, for my money, and, and I'm sure you know Mr. Mustache would like this. There really was no reason to me that they couldn't like port that game to Wii U if you wanted to play it on a big screen. So I think you might start seeing more of that where they'll take a game like that that isn't really using a lot, a lot of the 3DS's features or the portable features and have that kind of a game be cross-platform, but then if you have something that's like a crossword game or like a Picross-type thing, they'd be more inclined to keep that on like a portable and just give you incentives to have, because they don't want to say like, you only have to get one. They would still want people to buy as many of their hardware devices as possible. That's how they've always been. So I think like things as simple like no-brainer things like we could see the virtual console be cross-platform or or like simple platformers and things like that but then when you get your like huge like triple a mario games and big xenoblade type games those are going to be the kind of games that could be reserved towards the more powerful system sure how do you think that this combination of you know, the NX being a platform versus an actual unit. Um, how do you think that's going to play into things like the controller and the system? And I mean, the the, the mock-up, you know, leaked 
you know, fake or whatever. That uh, doesn't really give a lot of indication, but um, there's been a lot of thought about, you know, it being set inside of, like when, when the controller itself for the console is inside something else, it becomes a handheld and you can almost like take it out and you can do whatever you want. I mean, you think that that all holds water? Joe? Um, I, 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 at this point, you know, I wish I could really comfortably speculate on that. I, I know what I hope to see happen and I hope that it's something that is, that is very, uh, flexible like that, you know, where you have a lot of options. But I don't know, you know, other than them combining the handheld and, and comp, soul divisions like i don't really know what evidence i would point to for that Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure if that's what makes the most financial sense for them it's just what i hope to see you know and i again i feel like i said before i feel like dealing with nintendo and trying to speculate on them is almost unfair because what they've what they've really made their consistent theme be over the last decade or so is just you know trying to be really outside the box in in whatever they do um sometimes to a fault but usually to a point that you know gives us something that is that is completely fresh and and has some unique and and valuable application so you know what as far as what that's going to be i'm really uncomfortable predicting it i can just say what i sort of hope for Mm-hmm. If that's enough of an answer, non-answer. You know, this is uh, I'll, I'll make this my last point because uh, we do have to wrap the show up. But uh, a rather silly point of contention I have about the idea of them combining the handheld and the console in such a way that they kind of become one is not with you know the, the games themselves. The games, I mean, it'd be great to have a virtual console that's unified. I'm so sick now. I really am of buying yeah. games that I've played and owned in yeah, multiple it's fashions. Crazy. It's kind of offensive to me at this point, to yep. be honest. But not going down that rabbit hole, uh, say this football-shaped controller was legit, uh, and it sat inside like another hub, like say a Wii U tablet. I mean, once you put it inside, then you're playing on the console. Right. You know how much dust and crumbs and like other shit would get in between there? Uh, just because, oh, I took it out for a day or two and then I bring it back or something like that. You know, I mean, it just, it doesn't have the same kind of clean, robust feel that like my 3DS and my Wii U gamepad have. And not that I eat, you know, with my Wii U tablet as a plate, for God's sake, but I just know that, you know, shit's going to get in there. It's going to get grimy. It's going to get gross. I just can't imagine them doing any sort of dock system of that nature. I feel like it would still be two separate devices that are just very unified. Hence going to the platform thing over, you know, uh, it being one device. And I kind of would prefer it that way. I wouldn't mind spending a little bit more money to get two devices that really function really well. They just happen to talk a hell of a lot to each other. I I agree, especially when we look at their partnerships with, like, DNA and, uh, you know, your My Nintendo account, maybe having more things like cloud storage and things like that. I, I feel like that's the smarter way to go for them because they've just had such, if you look at their biggest problem for the past like five years, I think it's mostly been about messaging and telling people what the Wii U is, why it's fun, like how it's, how it differentiates itself. And they've had such a problem with that 
I feel like they're almost backed into a corner where they need to have some concept that's like, okay, this is what it is. We can describe it in one sentence and it makes sense to you. And it really shouldn't be, it's a new thing. And, you know, I think if they start confusing people with, this is going to dock into this, or it's going to wirelessly connect here, but it's <laughs> yeah. really two devices, and then it's, and it's like, that's, I feel like that was their whole problem with Wii U. People didn't know what it was. Yeah. And and then you start getting into issues like, is it going to lag if you put it on the TV, or so is the console going to be limited to the power? Like, how is it, it? There's so many questions that come from that. I feel like, in a way, they should do things safe, in a, in a certain way, not necessarily getting rid of, like, everything that makes them unique and creative. But I think certain things they could maybe just play it a little safer. And, you know, they look at their most successful part of their business as their handhelds. And it always has been. And it looks like they can maybe finally figure out how to leverage that success with the other side of it. Right. And, you know, I, I just... They have two potentially devices that can sell millions and millions and millions of copies. And I can't see them consolidating that into one. Like, why sell one thing when they could sell two things? You know, it's like... Amiibos. (laughs) Right. For example. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... um, The only counter I would say to that is... Because I I, I agree, and I've always kind of operated under that same thought, but if you know, I hear that the the software is really where they're going to make their money, and in that case, then you want to every time you release a game, you want to make sure that it can be purchased by as many people as possible, right? So, having two distinct platforms might kind of split that in a way. You know, obviously I, they I, want I to sell you to buy to buy both, but. I'm just trying to provide the, you know, uh, the alternative because I certainly have thought about it as much as I would like to have one combined system. I've often thought, well, why, why would they do that? Just as you said, why would they sell me one thing when they could sell me two? Maybe they might. And then if you, have if you have, way. if you have one, if you have one system, how much is that system going to cost? Like, right, right. Uh, you know, they want to make it affordable, and you, you know, they unlike with Wii U, they want to make let people feel like they're getting their money's worth is that's something they didn't do a good job on. And um, I think if you have those two very compatible devices, that's, you know, that's kind of giving, and that gives developers a way to say, okay, you can actually make your games multi-platform both across, you know, Sony, Microsoft, but also across from, um, uh, you know, within the Nintendo family, you can have already very easily an easy way to say we're gonna have two copies of this game for the console NX and the portable NX or whatever. And so they're not gonna say, well, we don't want to make an NX game because it's it's too much money and it's not worth making it for just one platform. Be like, well, you can make it for two platforms. Sure. And it's really easy to do. So that's kind of where I see them going. But who knows? It's, so, yeah. With that, Nintendo, you just never know. Last question, and then we'll wrap it up here. Uh, are we going to see this at E3? Or is it going to... I mean, can they have an E3 where they... Another E3 where they don't show it off? Is this the year? Not possible. Has to happen. 
So they, they won't miss E3 and then and then do like a September Nintendo Direct or something. It's got to be E3. Is that what you say? I think for the I mean, very reason that there's all these like supposed leaks and stuff, they have to start getting ahead of this story. You know, even yeah. even though they're fake, I think it's actually kind of muddying the waters a little bit on what the NX is going to be, and I think they really have to get out ahead of it. As some, soon as possible. Some people, when it when it's announced, are going to be like, "Oh, it's not that thing I saw that looks like right. a football." Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's been it's been teased for too long. It has to happen now. Yeah. Um, so okay, it's probably just a giant amiibo, but um, <laughs> but we can uh, me two two. It's going to have two giant screens on the gamepad. It's going to be two gamepads duct taped together, and you'll have to yes. use two amiibo to activate any individual content. You have to like power it up. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, anyway. So uh, I, let's call it quits there. Um, you know, we've been talking quite a while. We got to kind of head out. But uh, this has been a fantastic show. Uh, thank you very much, um, Jamie and Joe, for joining me. Yes, today. thank you for hosting. It's been no fantastic. Problem. Um, hoping that the audience out there enjoyed the audio, considering we got a whole new setup and uh, this will be an experience to, to shift to. But um regardless uh you know we really want you to comment on what you've heard today so please head over to negativeworld.org and uh, find the thread associated with this episode if you don't want to subscribe you know you can find us through facebook uh you can find us through twitter at negative underscore world is where you can find us there uh but lo and behold make sure you go check out uh jamie's twitch stream keep an eye out for uh you know join him on facebook what, what's your uh uh not facebook your twitter handle jamie the Twitter is uh, at Stepladder Games. There you go. So follow him there, and then follow him on Twitch at Turnabout Stepladder, and uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, Joe, I, I look forward to uh, us advertising some future events that you've got planned. Uh, lo and behold, though, everyone, just keep playing some games and have a great day. See you. Thanks.